You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. It's been a great few weeks already uh, in this series, The Even So, and several of you have come along and really stepped up and there's a lot of you that have signed up for our new members class that's coming up, and so that sign-up sheet is out front if you're going to join us. Uh, that class is coming up in a couple of weeks. There'll be some stuff uh, for you to listen to online, and there'll be um, some printed material I'll put out there next week or email you uh, if you're taking that class to look at before um, you come to that class. That way the class isn't quite so long. So just excited about the things that are happening uh, here at TCAR. We, we had some goals. There's even some goals as leadership that we were praying about uh, over um, coming up through the end of the year and looking at a couple of those things this morning uh, and how we've been praying. It's, it looks like God just, he's just going to come through and do some amazing things. But we've been on a journey. Uh, we started with the history of TCAR and how that relates to... Um, why this church was started and, and how things kind of came about and where we are now and our passion to see people have these even so moments that regardless of the world being a certain way and sin and the brokenness in our world, the overwhelming sorrow that even so there is a Savior, there's an overcoming Savior that can change things even today, not just for eternity which is the ultimate greatest thing and what gives us hope beyond this world is that forever we will be with him one day, but the fact that he can change our lives even today. And so we want to be, over the next year, even so kind of people. And so people are thirsty, as you know, for more than this world can offer. Thirsty for more than we can produce on our own, no matter what we own, and we were created for so much more. And it's natural to long for more. Like, I hope you see that in how God created us. He created us for himself. He's perfect, all satisfying. And so we search for that. Even people who, who, who are far from God, don't know God, they're searching for something to fill that thirst. And it's, nothing else can do that but God. And so it's natural to long for more, but it'll only be satisfied one way. And I think that's where you see a lot of divorce these days and broken families is we're expecting that out of each other as though we're to get our ultimate fulfillment out of a husband or wife or children or relationships with other people. And, and it's just not going to happen. We get our ultimate fulfillment, identity, purpose, all that stuff from God, and that pours into our relationships and we're people who give instead of looking to take that happiness from someone else to get it ourselves. And when you have two people, you know, if you've ever been around here, if you've been around here for several years, you've heard me talk much about um, dating and marriage and those kind of things, and we'll get back into some of that next year. But you know that two people come into a relationship to give because they're full from what God has given them, then that's a great relationship where people are giving to each other. But if they're not being fulfilled by God, who they're made for, they're looking to, to get that happiness from the other person, so they come into this relation wanted to, relationship wanting to take. 
And so it becomes this draining relationship, even though we're thinking this is what makes me happy. And so Christ has to be the center and be fulfilling. But that's, people are looking for that, and only God can give that to you. Um, it's, it's only through the one who made you knows you best, knowing the worst stuff about you. He gave us the Bible to explain from creation to the end of time where we can find true life, real joy, not just temporary happiness. And from Genesis until the end of the Bible, we see this theme all the way through about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and how he made that for all of us to be able to experience. A lot of people say, oh, you're being so exclusive, like Jesus is the only way. Well, Jesus was very inclusive. Actually, he died so that all could come to him and be with him. It's, it's a very inclusive, not exclusive uh, deal. And so you see that all the way to Revelation 22, the last chapter, the final words as God comes down and his message to us through the Bible. And it calls out those who are searching, those who know there's something more but can't seem to find it. And you can't on your own. God gives it to us. It's our hope. It's for everyone. And so we reach out to people and try to present that to them. But Jesus tells us in that Revelation 22 at the end of Scripture that he's coming soon. He's going to come back. That one day he will return. He's come once. That's what Christmas is about, his birth. He walks the earth. He ascended back to heaven. He's coming again. And... One day he will return again, and we know we have the Holy Spirit in us whom we believe and placed our faith in Jesus Christ. We have that Holy Spirit in us if we've done that, and now we wait, and we know we will be with him again one day, and we long for him to come back. And so there's that song we sang, and this whole theme has been, yes, even so, all of this other stuff in the world and going on, even so, we long for Christ to come back because he's setting everything right, and there'll be no more curse, and we'll be with him forever to be with him in that perfect place again. So yes, that gives us an anticipation and hope for the future, no matter what happens today, but there is more than just that. When you read that Revelation 22, verses 16, 17, and then 20, we'll look at those real quickly, and then we'll get to the main verse. We're going to look at Luke 19 today, those first 10 verses of Luke 19. But in Revelation 22, 16 through 17, in verse 20, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. And so the spirit and the bride say, come. Who's the bride? The church. What is the church? This building? No? Is it a place? That's what's hard about talking to kids about church because they antiquate it to this building, but it's helping us understand we are the church. Those who are believers in Christ is the church. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. So it's the church says, come, and then we we call out to people to say, hey, come and, and, and be a part of this. Come and experience God for yourself. Drink from this fountain of life for free. And let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Jesus says he's coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the living water that satisfies and brings real life is Jesus. 
And that verse says, now that we've drank from the living water, we turn and look at our community. We look at our family and friends and those around us and say, come and drink for yourself. And then let the one who hears, because that's part of discipleship. It's not just saying, okay, uh, I, I witnessed to Elizabeth, and now she's a Christian, and now we move on to the next person. But even in this, the Great Commission, go and make disciples, even in that, there is a, well, Elizabeth comes to Christ, but now it's, it's discipling her to the point that she turns and looks at someone else and is able to disciple them and lead someone to Christ. And she says, even so, come that she becomes someone who makes that call and is able to do that as well. Not just the preacher, but all of us together, the bride. So Jesus will come again one day when all is said and done and eternity will begin with him. But until that day, Jesus is able to change things even now. No matter what you have going on, <clears throat> when Jesus comes into that situation, the bright and morning star, there may be overwhelming sorrow. <clears throat> But even so, there is an overcoming Savior. <clears throat> I may need some water before it's over with. Do you care to grab me one out there? We're just hanging out here in the living room. Just go to the kitchen and get me something to drink. You know. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> I can tell I'm not going to be able to get past this, <clears throat> whatever it is. My son was up all night coughing. We do cough syrup, and then every three hours, you know, he starts again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. Excuse me. So how are y'all doing? <laughs> Sorry. That throws a little glitch in the system. But anyway, John 16, 33 is where I was going to go. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble. You're going to have to go through some things, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so we started this church to reach those not being reached in our area. That was the thought of... Um, having people have those even so life-changing moments that, that weren't even being exposed to it, that weren't even attending a church. God showed us the need to create an environment where people would love to come and discover God, to reach the unchurched. And unchurched meaning, as you hear that thrown around a, a lot, someone who's not currently connected to a church. You know, you may have grown up with no exposure to church at all, or you may have even grown up and uh, grew up in church, but for whatever reason, you quit going. Um, maybe you had a bad experience. You've maybe heard the expression here, uh, burnt, bored, or both. You may have had that experience in church, and so you quit. Unchurched means maybe you just fell into sin or into a lifestyle that, you know, just didn't antiquate good with um, the, the church, and so you kind of just walked away from it. Could mean you grew up in another religious system, and so there's not really that connection there, not a Christian, so you didn't go at all, worship nature, maybe new age thing, or whatever it may be. Or you really wanted to go to church, or really wanted to find God. You, were, you, you had that hunger, and you wanted that, but couldn't find a church you liked, so you just didn't go anywhere, Right? whatever the situation may be. It could mean a whole lot of things, but we weren't then, and, I, and we're still not after going after other church people. Like, that's not the goal. 
we're wanting to do this to reach those not a part of a church. And so, yes, discipleship happens, and we're helping Christians to grow disciples making disciples, but we wanted primarily, the big deal was, was creating an environment where you could bring your unchurched or lost friends to a place where it, it was, they were okay with it, that it was like, well, I may not believe what they believe, but it's, it's nice to go there, and I, and I can listen to that, and I understand, and it's not a pressure thing, and it's, but it's a place you could come and discover God at your own pace and bring your friends and relatives. And so we weren't, we weren't going after church people. We don't necessarily do this, if you're a church person, for you. And, you know, that can sound offensive at first, but the thought was to create a place where people who didn't go to church would like there's plenty of churches where church people can go and didn't want to create a place where you felt like you were supposed to go, and, but, but a place that people love to attend, a place where they like to be, that people would get up on Sunday morning and go, man, I, I really want to go there. And if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read about Jesus, you, you see this thing of people didn't go see Jesus because they were supposed to as he walked the streets during his three years of ministry. In fact, if you listen to the religious leaders in the, in the first century, you weren't supposed to go hear Jesus because he was on the outs with the religious system, right? So you figure if unchurched, lost, far from God people like to go be around Jesus, then we as the body of Christ today, if we're to represent him here on this earth, then we should be uh, able to create an atmosphere and be people that would be um, where people who are far from God would be okay and be attracted to and, and be like, wow, that's different and that's refreshing and actually be okay being around even though the, the perspectives are different. Of, of them going, man, well, they really love me and they really, I may not agree with what they're saying, but there's something about it that just, I just love being around those people. If he could do it, and we're supposed to represent him in the world, then isn't it that we should be doing that as well and be able to do that? And not just attracting people here, but being able to, to be out in the community, going about what we do, and having that, building relationships and people being around us and being okay with it in our, in our community. So, so that's kind of what we set out to do. And I cast the vision to several people that... Uh, are, some are still here in this church, and it was hard because we'd never done this before. Right? I think back 14 going on this coming spring, it'll be 15 years when we started our first uh, small group. You know, back then, we, we, none of us had ever been a part of a church like that, that we're starting it. We'd never experienced it for ourselves. We just saw the need, and God called us to do it. So it was like, okay, we really don't know what we're doing, but we know this is what we're supposed to do, so let's go. And, and so we didn't, it was hard to picture. And many people came together in those early days and served, and you let people come in your house and made them feel welcome and used what God had given you to reach out and be a kingdom builder. And we created places that people just, they love to be. And I can, I can remember the early days at Brady's house. It was just fun. It was just everybody wanted to go over there. At one time, we had to look at everybody and go, 
there's other home teams, okay? Not everybody can go to Brady's house, okay? But it was, that environment was there. And it's how we started, and, and it was just everybody wanted to be there. And so then we started creating that and multiplying and giving birth to other places that that could happen. And you sat through long meetings, and in those early days, we still have those at times, and people would give their money, and many people learned to be percentage givers in those early days, and not just when the sermon was good or when the Spirit led or when everything was good in the church or when you thought I was doing what you thought I should or even just when you had enough at the end of the month, you know, whatever that may be. But you gave a percentage and you you just helped sustain this church. God worked through you and has done it for years. And that, that in itself is amazing. And I'll talk in depth next week about where we are right now financially. Uh, we're way behind budget. Uh, way behind budget. And it's, and it's a discouraging place to be. Uh, and I've been on the phone like this week talking to other pastors like, how do I present this and it not be a discouraging thing but motivate people to see what God is actually doing in our midst. And so we'll find out how that turns out next week, okay? Um, but, but God has always been faithful, okay? That's part of the authentic thing I'll get to in a minute. We're just that way. We just don't pretend about things. But... Um, I, I know God will continue to work through this church and do amazing things whether we have a little or whether we have a lot. He just will. I, he's faithful. And I believe he's called us to this. And so we just keep walking the path and he's with us and it'll be okay, you know? And, and that's where I said there's these things, these indicators that you go, man, that's, we had this thing of, of hoping to see uh, like a 30% increase in giving by the end of this year from where we were at that point earlier this year. And um, there's been some discouragement as we've gotten into financial meetings and start looking at the budget of seeing where we are versus our budget. But the thing is, that 30% increase we were praying for, we're almost there. And, and we've got a couple more months to go. Like, but we're just right there. So come on, people, you know? But it's like... Um, God's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be rough for a season, but it's going to be okay. And, and it's not about the amount or about dollars. It comes back to, and I've always said, it's about our hearts. And God wants our hearts more than he wants our money. And so I'm okay with it, whatever it is, as long as God has your heart. And so... Um, so that's that part. But what's more incredible than that is to look over the years, and not the giving, but people inviting their friends. Sometimes people from other churches have come here and sometimes would invite their unchurched friends. And guess who likes, usually liked our church more over the years? Those that were from another church or their, the unchurched friends? The unchurched friends. It's interesting um, that church people come and go from here quicker than unchurched people do. It, it, it's people who have come to faith in Christ in the church seem to stay longer than those who come from another church. The unchurched like it more. And, and why? I understand this because, you know, I'm a church person. 
The church people didn't like it because they wondered, why doesn't he, why doesn't he wear a tie? Why doesn't he use the King James? Why, why are there these seats instead of pews? Why is the music that way? If you grew up here, it was different than what people were used to. You know, why does the service work that way? The music's too loud, or why don't you sing the songs I like, or, or why don't you just do some piano stuff sometimes, or why don't you take requests, you know? It's, you know, I won't comment on that one. You know, why don't we have Sunday school, and, and, and so on and so forth. And some people uh, are put off and still do get put off at times, but the unchurched are like, okay, this is different. It's different than other churches I've been to, and I don't know how many times I've heard in this community, well, if you've been to one church, you've been to all of them. But we seem to be a little different, really different, and that's good, and that's what we set out to do is be a place that was reaching people that weren't being reached. We don't want to take people from another church. Those churches will reach certain people. We wanted to be a church that would reach people who weren't being reached. And so we offended a lot of church people at the beginning. If you were here at the beginning, you remember a lot of that. And, and the unchurched people were okay with us, and some of them loved us. And we don't try to offend church people. It's not like our goal. It's just we don't go after those people per se, and it's not the primary driving force behind what we do. And I don't mind people who challenge me and want to have discussions and with me about theological issues and who are trying to figure out things and have questions. Um, but there's times where you actually you know, it gets to a point you almost actually try to run off people who don't get the vision of T-Car and refuse to see things differently. And so, you know, you want to say, but you don't. You almost get to that point where you want to go, hey, it's okay. I understand what you're saying, but the good news is you're a Christian and you're going to heaven, so it'll be okay anyway, right? Um, So if we don't do church like you want it to be, it'll be okay. Um, but there's certain things here that won't change, and then there's a lot of things that I hope do change. I hope we stay effective and stay relevant. That's one of our core values, and so we want to keep up uh, with, with being effective at reaching people. But there are some things we just aren't going to change because we aren't trying to make everybody happy. We're trying to reach people. And, there's, and as a Christian and as a mature believer, we should get excited about that. I get excited about that. It's like I, I'm okay in, in feeding myself and, and as I should and being able to uh, live my Christian life, but I want to work through the church to reach people, and it's not about me. And so that's where we go with why we do a lot of things we do when we think through it. And I've been challenged, even this week, you know, David's sending me messages going, what if we do this and what if we do this? And, and, and I want to react quickly enough to changes we need to make but at the same time, it's like we got to take time and think through this because it's not about what we like and what's easy for us, but what's going to help people who are far from God the most as they walk in here or they're in a home team or equip our people as they're in the community. And so that's a big deal to us. And it's what a true disciple does is, is look out and say, what, what is it that I can do to reach someone else, help someone else? And it's all throughout our vision for TCAR, building community on the foundation of Jesus that's about others, not self-centered community. Making disciples who serve, because that's what Jesus said a disciple was. Someone who served, they did for others. They're not focused on themselves. And reaching as many people as possible wherever we're called for the glory of God, because it's ultimately about him. 
and we want others to know him. And that's our vision, community serving and reaching. And our mission over the next year to move us toward that vision, as we've talked over these few weeks, is every family and community being a part of home teams and coming to the gatherings that we put together, every family serving and giving, and every family reaching a family. Bring them to church. Share your faith with someone. It's the ultimate vision, mission behind why we do what we do here. Our mission is, is ultimately informed by the mission of Jesus. And what was that? In Luke 19.10, as we get into this scripture, says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Lost relationships. So Jesus was strategic. He had a mission. There was a point to what he was doing. And so he went about doing what would help people come to know the Father. And this verse comes on the heels of a story that I want to read to you. If you know Luke 19, the story of the wee little man, okay? Some of you have a compulsion to break out the flannel boards and go into Sunday school mode and start teaching that to the kids, the wee little man. Some of you can probably even sing the song. Um, I can't. I never got the song when I was a little kid. I don't know what that was, but... um, but about Zacchaeus. And so in Luke 19, it says, He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Notice it says not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. And if you remember, tax collectors weren't the most popular people in that time because they basically took advantage of everybody. They would collect what Caesar said to collect, but then they would collect a little for themselves on top of that, and that could be whatever they wanted to make it. And their Roman soldiers that were with them, were with them would enforce that upon you. And, and so they could be very mean. Um, there, was, there was no uh, protesting and Uh, walking out and blocking the road and all that stuff because the guys were taking too much money or whatever, okay? It was just, it's the way it was. And so, not a popular guy. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. Why? Because he was thirsty. He knew there was something more than just having all this money and, and having a comfortable life. And he had no real relationships with anybody given what he did. So, Here he was looking, he was thirsty for more and was unable because of the crowd. He's trying to see Jesus for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to that, to the place, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. It's interesting. Jesus would go to him and say, hey, let's go to your house and hang out. I mean, that's just one of those things that that I encourage us. And, you know, as we get into the relationship issue is there were times where Jesus was able to just look at people and go, hey, you need to repent. But Jesus was this person who, who had this just real... He knew where people were and knew how to love them right where they were. And he just goes to him and says, hey, let's go hang out at your house. And so he comes down. They go to his house. It says, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, and this is all those religious leaders and the religious folks and the system and 
people outside of that group saying, began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And so when people accuse me of that, I think it's, it's a uh, compliment when people accuse you of hanging out with sinners. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, and, and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Can I, I just, I love that, because it's, and it says, he did it how? Gladly. He, he was glad, he received Jesus gladly, and there was a, yes, this is awesome, even to the point of giving away all this money. In contrast to the rich young ruler who came to Jesus in the night, and Jesus said, well, you got to give away all your stuff. And he left sad. He was convicted, but why did he walk away sad? Because he didn't receive and understand what he gained from Jesus if he gave all that up. But Zacchaeus got it. And he knew Jesus was worth far more than anything he could earn. And here's the thing about, G- about Zacchaeus that's, that's cool. It was... It was real repentance, not just, oh, hey, sorry about that. Hey, sorry. I'm going to ask you to forgive me. But it was, man, what, can, what do I do to make it right? Like, I just, I, I, wanna cha- I want my life to change. I don't want to do that anymore. That was offending. That was wrong. I want to live life differently, not just, oh, sorry, I took all that money from you people. Hey, will you forgive me? Okay, and then carry on. I'm going to go spend your money. But he was like, I want to make things right with them because there was a true change of heart, real repentance. Kind of like I've used the example, if you're uh, cruising down the road and um, you're speeding and a police officer pulls you over, what do we normally always, everybody say? Like there's one guy I could ask in here and say, what does everybody say as soon as you pull them over? Hey, sorry. Sorry, officer. Sorry. Because they know it all already, Right. You normally don't even have to walk up and go, hey. But usually officers will go, you know why I pulled you over? And you automatically start going, hey, I'm sorry, you know, sorry. And so they may write you a ticket, they may not, okay? And it's totally okay if they do, right? We get mad, you know, can't believe, well, you're breaking the law. Like, what do you expect? They're just doing their job, Okay. So what do we normally do, though, as soon as we pull away and the, co- the officer gets out of sight? We go right back to doing what we were doing before he pulled us over. Now, is that, we said we were sorry, but is that really repentance? No. If we repented, that means we would have turned from that behavior and pulled away and gone, I'm not going to ever speed again. Okay, that's what repentance is, okay? And I think a lot of times we get in that mode of, I'm totally off track, but anyway, we get in that mode of, um, as Andy Stanley would say, the sin bucket, where we just go out and do whatever we want to all week. Then we come to church on Sunday, come up front, because God's faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness, right? So he has to forgive me if I ask him to. So I dump out my sin bucket on Sunday, and then I go back out during the week and keep doing it all over again. And every Sunday I come back and dump my sin bucket out, right? As though that's how it works. 
That's not repentance. That's just looking at an officer saying, oh, I'm sorry, and then pulling away and speeding again. But in this case, it's to Jesus who died on a cross for us, and we're going, hey, sorry, and just keep on doing it. But you see a difference in Zacchaeus. It's, it's man, I'm not doing that anymore. And in fact, I want to do things to, to, to correct that. And Jesus said to him, verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he says that at the end of that about Zacchaeus because what, what he's come for is lost people. Now, if you remember last week, and, and that, that's just a little uh, a deal that, you know, is, is why we do what we do. And if you remember our, our seminary lesson from week two, we talked about vision lets people know where you're going. Mission lets people know what do we need to do right now to move toward where we're going. And core values establishes a guideline, gives you some guidelines for how you're to go about doing those things that we're doing to get towards the mission. So today, I just want to quickly communicate to you our core values, okay? They're usually on the front of the bulletin. Are they still there? I don't know if we've changed to the vision statement or if both of those are on there. You're like, bulletin? There's bulletins here? Yeah, there are. Um, is that, you see the core values on the front of that? Are they on there? Yes, thank you, okay? So that, they're on there. They're usually on there every week. So our core values, the first one would be being authentic. I like to talk about this one first. It, isn't it refreshing just to be around somebody who's not trying to be somebody they're not? They've not got some mask on trying to pretend to be somebody else. Obviously, I've never pretended to be a real Baptist preacher, okay? I'm just being Marty, trying to be like Marty with the character of Christ. And that's how I do it, Okay? I'm not called to be somebody else and do it the way other people do it. I'm just me with the character of Christ, but trying to be as effective as I can at reaching people. So if it's not about me, one day I may wear a suit up here. If that starts working better and that's the kind of church we need to be, I'll do what I got to do to be, to, to, to be effective at church, but I want to be me with the character of Christ. But... As Christians, we're not trying to be um, somebody else. You know, a lot of times we put it in that, well, you've got to become this person that calls everybody brother and sister and, and, and talk a certain way and pray in King James English. And like, you don't, you don't have to take on those things to be a Christian. You just, you be yourself with the character of Christ, living holy, compassionate sacrificial lives, lives that people look at and go, wow, there's some of the things that this per that person does, I just don't get it. Like why they do that and they're, they're, they, they give so much and they serve so much and they do all that for other people. Like I don't get that, but you know what? I really love being around them and, and I kind of want the kind of life they've got because they seem so joyful and yeah, they have hard times, but they just seem to, there's something about them. It's just, it's, I like it. Not, it's not a life that somebody looks at and goes, well, why do I need that? Right? It's that thing of, if, and a lot of people think if you're a Christian um, and you're weird, it's because you're a Christian. But if you're 
a Christian and you're weird, it's just it's because you're weird. It's not because you're a Christian, okay? That doesn't automatically turn you into someone who's weird, okay? Um, because it's just you being you full of Jesus, okay? And that may be strange to some people, but they're not... They, they're, they're not going to be like, they shouldn't be totally turned off. There's, there's sin and the truth comes into conflict and there's conviction there. And that may be taken out towards you at times. But there's something about you and the way you love them and that people just go, hey. But there's something about them that I, it, it's, I just love. So we are to hold each other accountable, but we also realize and are realistic about the fact that we are all in this together and we're striving to be like Christ and we'll never be perfect. So there will be mistakes and we don't shoot our wounded. It's not what we do at church. Shouldn't do that. We help each other through it. But what's sad is sometimes people don't want to be helped and that's sad, but we pick each other up when we fall. Home teams are a great place to see this up close, that authenticity and being real and just asking questions and being okay, being able to discuss things and have different points of view, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, those are great places you just come into, be yourself and ask the questions and talk about things. So we emphasize not a perfect walk through life, but a personal relationship with the one who is perfect, Jesus. Not a religion, not a particular church, not doing good things, not even praying a prayer, signing a card, or walking an aisle, which are all okay. But the main issue is eternal life, knowing God through Jesus. And, and so we don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. That's one of the things about being around them that we should be careful of. We're authentic, so we go, I'm not going to hold this person to my standards because I believe in Christ. How can I hold them to my standards when they're not claiming to live by those standards? And they don't even believe what I believe. So I can't impose my standards on them when they aren't living that way. We have to love people where they are, care more, far more about people than we do. Careful here, okay? Then we do political affiliation, the team they root for, the language they use, or the lifestyle they choose, okay? So we can build trust, be in a relationship with them, love them where they are so that they can see the love of Christ in us and maybe we can share with them what we believe and it'll change their life. Okay? So we want to be authentic. Okay, that's a big one for us, but I'm going to move quickly through these other ones. Okay? Building relationships. Okay? Jesus is all about relationships. He dwells in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay? God dwells in relationship, and God created us specifically for a relationship with him and each other. And that was the whole idea behind the Garden of Eden and why Adam and Eve were placed there. But they broke that relationship with God, and just as we have, and God seeks to restore that, our relationship with him and each other. So the, this church is about restoring relationships to God and to each other knowing God and building better relationships in marriage with our kids, with our friends, family, co-workers, those far from God, so that we can see each of us take a step toward him. Relationships with people who don't go to church, who don't know God, are our top priority around here. That is a big emphasis. Yes, we want people to grow and 
people to be discipled, but we want to disciple you to the point that you understand what's about reaching people. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, and that's what we're doing. People outside the church that are far from God are not the problem. They're the reason we're doing this, okay? And so some of you, you're in that place of, well, I've exhausted my circle of influence and people to invite to church and try to reach. Well, then change something about your life where you can get involved with a new network of people. Well, I go here every day to do this, and I know all these people. Well, maybe it'd be okay if you started going somewhere else and going to a different restaurant or a different dry cleaner or a different place at lunch, whatever it is. I don't know. Just you start doing something different to be around different people. Okay? And so build a new network. And this core value is why we emphasize relational evangelism is because we don't, we don't see the street corner preaching or the knocking on doors and, or leaving a track or whatever, the, the impersonal evangelism as, as, as a way we do things because of its effectiveness or like thereof. It's, it's, that's what informs how we do that. We build relationships with people, and it's very personal, okay? Number three, communicating biblical truth in a relevant way, relevancy. We, be, we believe the Bible is God's word without error, and we're going to follow it and not anything else. It's the guide for all we do. And we know the, that the Bible is not just neat stories about weird happenings long ago that end with this idea of repent your, you sinner, okay? That's it's typically what you, you normally, if you grew up, probably hearing that a lot. Here's a story. It's got something weird in it. The point is repent, you sinner, okay? But there's stuff in there that applies to our lives every day, okay, that, that changes how we do things. And so that is why when you come here or home teams, you'll get stuff that'll work in your life all week long. Lots of Christians these days are asking the, the wrong question. Most people would say if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Where would you be? Because you're going to live forever. And that's a valid question. There's nothing wrong with that question. But a better question, for, it seems like to me, is, is if you live another day, because all of us will probably be alive tomorrow, if you live another day, do you have the knowledge and the hope to keep living victoriously tomorrow? Do you, do you know where your joy is going to come from tomorrow? Do you know how you're going to do things and live life and endure this week, because most of us will be alive tomorrow. So around here, you will hear things about how to live your life this week. So in all we do, teaching, ministry, worship, evangelism, and so on, we seek to do with, relatives, rel with relevance. We want to relate what is going on in your life. Um, and so this, this church, if you know me, is about being relevant and effective, not catering to my own wants. Um, we, we get stuck sometimes in how we do church. I don't care how you do it as long as it's effective and, and you're reaching people with the truth. I want to fish where the fish are biting, right? Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So if you're not fishing for men, you're not following Jesus. I want to fish where the fish are biting. I want to go hunting where I've seen deer tracks and deer droppings, okay? 
I want to go hunt where there's rubs on trees, and I know there's a big buck in there, and, and, and that's what I'm looking for. So I, I want to hunt where I've got the best chance of killing a deer. I want to fish where the fish are biting. And, and so I want to I do things here at church to give us the best chance at reaching the most people. And, and, and if you've been around here, for you, you've probably seen this one too many times, but here's a little participation for you. And you've heard these statistics over and over and over. Okay? If you came to Christ six, age 65 or older, 65 or older, raise your hand. 50 and older. 40 and older. Okay, we've had a couple that's been in that, those categories. 30 and older. 20 and older. Okay? If you came to Christ at age 20 or below, raise your hand. Wow, look at all that. That's why we do church the way we do it and why we want to keep pushing that envelope because where the fish are biting are age 20 and below. Okay? That's where the fish are biting. So we aim down, not up. Okay? That's a big deal to us. Okay? Some people might say this church is geared towards a younger crowd. Thank you. We are, okay? Of, co of course it is. If we're being strategic and trying to reach as many people as possible, not as few as possible. So that's where you get into that whole, which is a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. The music's too loud. The younger people want it louder. Older people want it quieter. It's, it's always, we're always going to tilt a little bit to the louder side here, okay? Too much bass. Younger people think there's not enough. You know, so we're always tilting that way, okay? And so it's that, it's that idea, and I always use that example because it's a thing of, I may not like how it sounds, but if, if we're about reaching the young people, we go, it's okay with me, and I'll just let it go that way because it's not about me. I just sit back and smile knowing we're trying to reach young people because they're void from the church a lot of times, okay? So we seek to be relevant and therefore effective at what Jesus said we should do, Okay? And so it, it affects everything we do. The Bible doesn't say, thou shalt walk an aisle to be saved. So, so we, we are strategic, even in the way we do invitation, even in the way we do everything we do is with thought in mind about that, okay? Um, and we really focus on our kids because most are leaving church. And so we believe the mature should take care of the immature. In our families, we take care of and gear things down towards our children and most churches seem to do things for the oldest person in the church. We want to do church for the younger people in the church, okay? Fourth thing, excellence. God does have a sense of humor because not everything goes right all the time, okay? So we're not talking about expecting perfection. We just want people to know we care about this and this matters to us. So when we do things with excellence, people go, wow, that, that was, they really care about this. That's, this is important to them. Every little thing about it is important. And, and when people see how much effort you put into it, it just it, it shows them, hey, they must care about me because they want, they want me to, to be here and be a part of this, and, and they care about what I think, okay? And, and I say this often, too. We're at the helm of the most important ship on any ocean. There's nothing more important in the world than what we do as a church, as the body of Christ, as we go out and seek and save that which was lost, okay? Everybody knows I have respect for the military. I have respect for police officers. That's why I do what I do in volunteering and, and 
how I do with, with that and chaplain stuff. Great respect, okay? My family sleeps better at night. I believe my family is safe because of what those guys do, okay? And I have respect for them, but it's a matter of physical life and death for them, whereas for us as a church, it's a matter of forever spiritual life and death. It's that important, okay? What we do here matters. So efficiency is not a core value, okay? It's not how can we get by and do this the easiest. Sometimes we do things and we go the extra mile and do more than we want to do and it takes longer because we want it to be great for people because we want it to be the very best it can be so that when people enjoy themselves and they love being here and they come back because they're like, well, I just like being there because the coffee's good and it, it's, the music's good and, hey, if I want to go to church, I, I like that, you know, and they'll come back and hang out. And, and you're being used by God when you serve in those ministries to create that for that person to be a part of the chain that maybe eventually that person comes to Christ. So we believe in, in excellence. God gave us his best in giving his, us his son, so we should do no less in what we give back and give our best to him. Um, and, you, and it's a thing of there's nothing else that will matter more than what you do as the church in your life, okay? But I'm just going gonna, gonna to skip on. Um, number five is warm, uh, warmth. We want to provide a warm and inviting atmosphere. And I think this is a great place of being casual and inviting, okay? The, the Bible doesn't say you have to preach in a tie, thankfully, because if you know me, you know how much I hate them and it gives me a headache, okay? I have to take Advil ever soon as I put on the tie because I know it's coming. Um, wouldn't be wrong if I did wear a tie, but I, I want people to be comfortable, not uncomfortable. We want people to come back. When we did a survey of people around here, that was one of the things that we got most often was, I don't have clothes to wear to church. Well, you don't have to here. People say that to me. I'm like, this is what I wear, okay? So just come in your jeans. It doesn't matter to me, okay? We want to take down all the barriers, take the worry and pressure out of when you stand, what you sing, how to do things, where to go, etc. So the only thing people s struggle with is what um, God is saying to them. That's what we want people to struggle with. So that's why we provide children's services so that people who are far from God can leave their children in a safe place with excellence, trained caregivers, and so everyone here can focus on the real issues. It's why it's so important that our caregivers and teachers and greeters are all back there and ready for the first person that gets there with a kid so that, so that their whole experience is wonderful. It's why we do the service the way we do, the video screen, the coffee, all that stuff. We want this to be a very user-friendly environment, okay? Warm and inviting. Hopefully people feel good being here and we, realize, and, and, and we want you to come back and seek God at your own pace. Okay, we don't push things on it. People, safe place to hear a dangerous message as you hear us say. Okay, it's not our role to pressure people. Holy Spirit does that. Okay, and then sixth, uh, growth or grow. We want people to grow because people can't do better till they know better. And so we want people to grow and know God more and how to do life better. And as people grow individually, naturally we'll grow corporately, and that doesn't necessarily mean numerically. Um, that just means we will grow together in our faith. And we don't do this for the sake of having a big church, okay? 
We do this for the sake of individual people who matter and are special and unique to God. And we want to disciple people in a biblical community who will then reach out and disciple someone else. And we want people to discover who they were created to be and the things God made them to do to know God and how he planned their lives to be. So that's, how, that's what guides us here at TCAR. Okay, that's our core values. And so hopefully that informs you a little bit more about who we are. And so if you're unchurched or you bring an unchurched friend, we want you to know we're glad you're here. We're glad you brought someone here. And if you don't have a relationship with God, we invite you to keep coming back, keep asking questions, keep hanging out. No pressure. And when you're ready, if God pressures you and he draws you and you feel that and you, you have questions and there's things you want to ask, just ask. And it's okay. If he gets your attention and you see the reality of who he is and desire the life he made you for, then we're here to help. Okay? And I often lead at the end of the service in, in, in giving your life to Christ. Um, I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm just going to say, hey, if you want to do that, come see me after the service. Uh, talk to one of these people you've seen on stage. Um, just come see us. Let me know, and we'll be glad to help you. And it's that whole idea of turning from yourself and turning to Jesus, turning from your sin and your ways and turning to him and his ways, realizing he died on the cross in your place for your sin that you could have that new life. So let's pray together. Father, I first just want to thank you for this church that you have made. This church is yours. It's all yours, all made for you. And so we're just thankful we could be a part of it. I just pray that each of us would embrace the vision, the mission, these core values that you have placed before us. And that we together, in unity, would just glorify you, Father. In all that we do, we just want to reach those who don't know you. We're here to seek and to save that which was lost, a relationship with you, with each other. Father, thank you for the people who have given for so long, who have served for so long. Can't imagine the reward you have waiting for them. And we do it because we love you. Because we're thankful for what you've done for us. And so I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.